Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 54. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Today, we're diving into another one of those interviews on a topic that I knew I wanted to talk about on the podcast ever since and long before I actually started the podcast. And it has been reinforced by several of my clients who have worked on a goal related to what we're going to be talking about today. And I am so excited to dive into this topic with the experts that we have. It's our first interview where we get to interview two guests and they are both immensely talented in their own right. And it was so fun to see how they collaborate together in their business and the way that they make that work and the way that they relate to each other and work off of each other. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview just as much as I do. So today we are interviewing Emily Golden and Rachel May. Emily Golden and Rachel May nourish a fierce love of storycraft and a hunger to unearth the truths of why story works the way that it does. Through Golden May's book coaching program, online community, and online courses, they help tenacious fiction writers find their voice, unlock their writing genius, and change the world. I have no doubt that some of their writers are going to change the world through their stories and through their other work. And I am so excited to have Emily and Rachel come on to talk today, not only about story craft, but how to identify the story you want to tell, the message that you want to convey, and exactly how to do that through your writing. So whether you want to write a fiction book or not, there is so much you're going to get out of today's interview. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Rachel and Emily. Rachel and Emily, thank you so much for coming to share on the podcast today. Can you share a little bit about your journey and how both of you got to where you are? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. You want to take that, Rach? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And thank you again for having us on today. This is going to be such a fun conversation. So I'm Rachel and we came to this writing journey. We met on Twitter and we became critique partners originally. So for those of us that aren't familiar with the writing world, that basically means that we decided to swap our stories and get some feedback from each other. And we struck up a really fast friendship. We started to learn so much about writing craft. And then a couple months later, we just were like, hey, do you want to start a business together? Mm -hmm. We like to say that Emily dared me into doing it. (laughs) So we learned as much as we could about writing craft. We had already been studying it to help each other with our critique partnership and to help get our stories better. And we decided to take the plunge. We did some trainings to become book coaches and that's what we do today. So our goal with our business, Golden May, is to help fiction writers just find their inner voice, find their writing genius and tell the stories that are branded on their hearts and that they just can't wait to get out into the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that through, we have one-on-one coaching. So we each have a couple of clients that we coach with every week. We also have an online course for outlining and plotting, and we have an online community. So those are the three, three main ways we connect with, with writer folks out there. Oh, that's great. So it sounds like you both had some background in writing fiction and that's what led you to coaching on fiction writing. Yeah, we were both fiction writers at the time. We had other full-time jobs. I was working in the nonprofit world and Rachel was working in the corporate world mm. and um, they were our side pet projects. And so mm. that was what what brought us together and made us realize we wanted to do something different with our lives. Mm. And that's I how love we that. ended up here. And before we dive too much into the writing, can you guys share what that's like working with a friend and running mm. a business with two people? Because instead of just one person like me getting to make all my decisions for my business, I imagine doing it with someone else is fun and easier in some ways and more difficult in other ways. So can you share a little bit about that? 
Totally. I think it's amazing. It's so fun to be able to be on this journey with another person and especially a person like Emily. Like when I say we struck up a fast friendship, it really was like we clicked right away. We really, we, I think we balanced each other out. We also complement each other's strengths very well. And at the same time, like every relationship, it takes a lot of work. So it's so wonderful to have a support, to have someone to bounce ideas off of and to have someone to be that pillar when things aren't always going as, as great as you expected. And then to also celebrate with when you hit your major wins. It's so fun to have that person. And then at the same time, like I was saying, it's a relationship. So it takes some work too. So we, we are writing coaches. We believe in lifelong learning and we got ourselves a business coach. So we also have a business coach that helps us work on our relationship and that helps us improve our business. So I think both of us just, we love each other. We're such great yeah. friends and it's such, it's translated so well to like how we're able to bring our strength to our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a lot of other, a lot of editor friends who do some really good work, but I would not trade the partnership life for yeah, anything. Yeah. It's been amazing. And having that third-party business coach to help us keep us on track and, and help teach us different ways of working together has been, it's just been incredible. So that's yeah. been a really fun journey this last year. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. It sounds like such a fun and unique dynamic that it must be so cool to get to experience. Yeah. It's super. I know with as being like a self-started business, you know, you put your whole life into it. You mm-hmm. just dive into it. And I'm sure you do the same, Carly, where this is so you care so much about it that I bet you don't often take a lot of breaks. Right. Um, <laughs> so like one thing that Emily and I have worked really hard on is encouraging one another to take mm. breaks and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, I've, I've got your back. If you want to go take vacation, go, or mm. if you're sick, don't even worry about it. So it's been really nice to have a, another person to lean on when mm-hmm. you need it and to support through vacations and sick days. And I just need a mental health day today. I'm going to go lay on the couch. Awesome. <laughs> and I bet even just having a whole other person worth of strengths to bring to both the writing process and running a business. That's just so cool. So let's shift into the writing part. What do you notice in your clients or other people when they're writing fiction? Like where do they struggle the most in that process? It's a great question. I think, a good question. yeah, I think that everybody has their own unique strengths and struggles and problems. And we look at the writing process to simplify it in two different prongs. There's writing craft, which is like the art of writing, mm-hmm. storytelling skills. Like how do you plot something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like the writer as a person and mm. their fears and their hopes and their dreams and their perfectionism and their imposter syndrome and the mental hurdles that it takes to write a book. So I'd say that writers struggle with both of those things. I think every writer struggles with one aspect or like a balance of those two things. So I don't know if there's, I would pinpoint to like, oh, every writer struggles with mm. plotting because they mm-hmm. don't, but we look at both pieces of them to mm. see, okay, where are you struggling and how can we support you through that? How do we help you with your mental hurdles? And then how do we help you level up your craft skills mm-hmm. at the same time? I think oftentimes there is a mental hurdle. There's always a mental hurdle. Right. And I think oftentimes <laughs> yeah. cr- the mental hurdle can prevent someone from absorbing the craft knowledge, from seeking out the right kinds of tools. And sometimes learning craft can be a solution to the mental hurdles because they're struggling to sit down at the page, but it's not really a perfectionism issue. It's because they don't know how to write a scene or like how a scene works. And so learning that craft can give them the confidence to then face that blank page without that fear and that Mm self-doubt. Yeah. I think the mental piece is something that we have learned over the last years that we've been working on this 
is just such a big part mm-hmm. of everything because you can't get to the end of a book that you're proud of without doing some mental work on yourself. Is that really where the process starts then? Especially if you are lacking some of that mechanical knowledge to get it onto the page. But if you can't overcome that first mental hurdle of, I am an author, or I do have a story worth telling, is that kind of the first hurdle or where someone needs to start with the process? Absolutely. I think that the biggest fear is this fear of, do I have what it takes to write mm-hmm. a book? It's such a big thing and it takes a lot of craft learning. Like it takes a lot of skills development. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> a book is big. You can't just yeah. sit down and start writing and then like end up, you can, but is it going to work? Are you going to be proud of it? Are you going to need to do some revisions, do some learning along the way? It's such a big project. And so I think the first hurdle that every writer has to go through to, to even come to us is that belief of, I think I can do this. Mm. They have to at least be in the, I'm willing right. to think I can do this to show up, mm. to start learning. So people who have gotten to that point, is that's the point where you see your clients start to come to you? I think I can do this. I think I can write a book. So I'm going to go look for help. I think many clients have, I really want to do this, mm. but I don't know how, can you help me? And then we're like, yes, obviously, yes, come to us. We want to help you. And then there, there are, there's a facet of, I know I can do this, but I'm really scared and maybe I can't. So like mm-hmm. they have that initial of, I really, really want to, and I'm pretty sure that I can, but I'm not quite sure. And it's, it's not cemented in their mm-hmm. mind that they absolutely can do it. And whether it's a belief of whether or not they can, we also see a, a lot of writers who don't maybe believe that they're worthy of it or that they, the act of writing is like worthy of their time and effort. Because like Emily was saying, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Investing into this process is its own leap of faith. But when we see those writers who are, who choose it and then who do the work with us to get to the mental mindset of, I believe I can, I know I can, and here's the proof that I can. Mm. Like I see my clients have a switch. And our program is six months long, but about month two to three, which is where I'm at with a couple of my clients right now, you see this major like... They, they just, mm. where they're like, oh my gosh, it's possible. Whoa. And then once they start to have that belief in themselves, that's when the, you see their writing like skyrocket mm. and like the attitude that they bring to the page has like a huge shift. So the reason I say that is because you had asked, do, you, do your clients need to have that before they can come work with you? No. Do you want to write a book? If that answer is yes, then you can come work with us mm. and we can help you like bridge that gap to the belief that you need to have in yourself in order to finish that. What are some ways they can begin to cultivate that within their own minds to establish that? What is that process like? I work a lot with my writers and my clients on moving past fear of failure okay, and like moving past tendencies of perfectionism. Not every writer is a perfectionist. Not every writer has a massive fear of failure, but I think most of us carry a really strong burden of wanting to prove ourselves and being afraid of falling short. And so I work a lot with them on that mental attitude of, I don't believe failure exists in writing a book. I don't think there's backwards progress. Like I've had writers say, I don't want to make bad progress. I don't want to make bad decisions. Like so much of this is putting bricks on bricks to build a wall that like any progress you make forward is forward progress. Like Mm -hmm. any amount of steps you take forward is forward progress. Yeah. So I think that we want to work with them on letting go of that fear of failure so that you can start to open yourself up to being vulnerable with your writing self, being vulnerable with us as you approach the page, not fearing mistakes 
And then when writers stop fearing making a mistake, you see them be willing to try new things mm. and be willing to grow in, in ways that they never thought they could before. Mm, I love that. So if people have like part of a story, but they don't have the whole story, how do they bridge that gap? Oh, that's such a great question. So we get a mix of folks who come to us, right? We get folks who have just this idea and they just have no idea where to start getting on the page. And we also have folks who've come with whole manuscripts that they know just don't work. But if you're starting, and so we actually start everyone at the same place, which is exploring what it is that you want to say with your story. So exploring the emotional journey of like, Mm. why did this idea come to me? What is important about it to me? Because stories are about change. And whenever we have a story about change, it's delivering some kind of message. It's saying when a person makes certain types of decisions, when they go through certain types of changes, it has an impact on them and the world around them in a certain kind of way. And so when you're looking at whether it's a revision or a very first initial idea, it's important to start thinking about what is it that you're exploring? Was it, is it that you're trying to say, if you have just that one idea and very little else, it can be hard to answer that question. And so I think another, another way to approach that is to play with it, to just Mm. play with what are some images that come to you? What are some scenes that come to you? If you explore this idea and start playing with some different paths, as you start exploring different potential avenues, what is your body saying? is the right one? What is your body excited about? Mm. What is, what lights you up and start going down those avenues until you can get an idea of the themes and messages that you're starting to play with. So is that something that they can do mostly in like the planning phase or talking out with someone like a coach or a friend, or is it something where they should like just start writing pieces and seeing how it fits together? Any of the above. Any and all? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No right or wrong way. There's no right or wrong way to write. Mm. And is that, if you have no idea, then you just know you want to write a book. Do you have people that come to you like that or do they normally have somebody? Yeah. I think it's, we're going to find the most forward progress when you have an inkling of what you want to say, but we've, we have had writers before and I have a client currently who came to us knowing she just wanted to write a book and she had a thousand ideas and she had no idea which Mm. one was the best one. And she had a a history of starting ideas until she didn't like them and scrapping Mm. them. And then starting from scratch. And so she really did not have, she had an idea, but at the heart of her, she didn't have an idea. She just wanted to write something. So we worked with her. She's still my client, but she's been my client for about two years now. And she wrote a book. She finished her first draft ever because she had always just been restarting. She couldn't quite articulate what it was that she actually wanted to say. She just had a thousand ideas that she weren't sure, wasn't sure if actually were good. So yeah, it can be any stage, but so long as you, we're going to tease into, we're going to work into like tease out. What What does your heart care about? Yeah. What is that message? Why, if you want to write a book, why are you trying to write a book? And then why this book? Why this idea? Okay. And so then the next step is like figuring out how you convey that through the story. Is that like step two? Yeah, I think so. One of the one of the most interesting things, I don't know if you've ever heard of the terms plotter and pantser, Mm-mm. but there's this like this binary <laughs> idea <laughs> that someone is either one or the other. And then to fix that binary, people came up with the idea of a planter, which is somebody okay. who plots and pants. But pantsing is this idea of flying by the seat of your pants. Okay. You just sit down to write and see what comes out. And plotting mm. is well, obviously you sit down, you plot the whole thing out and then you write it, right? And planting is something in the middle. I think everybody is somewhere in the middle, but I also think that there can be this idea that writing a book is first you do this and then you do this Mm -hmm. and then you do this. And it's this linear 
progress of the right way to do it. And I think it's really important if you're first starting to realize that your process is going to be different from any other writer's process. Right. How you come up with whether you need to do a bunch of exploratory scenes to figure out what your message is, whether you start mm. with a message and then run mm. with it, whether you use your message to plot the whole thing out, right? There's this idea of you can do it in a million different ways yeah. and they are all valid. So our program is set up to teach people the fundamental craft of what a story is mm. and give them all the tools that they need and then help them figure out how those tools fit within whatever process works best for them. Mm. Because not everybody is going to use all of the tools in the same exact way. Yeah. But once you have that fundamental craft knowledge, you can test out how to apply it in a way that like works with your flow, if that makes sense. Yeah. So do you give them tools in terms of like, here's exercises you can do or tools like this is a general story arc, like a story normally has these components or all of the above or? All of it. Yeah. So we work, when you're in our program, we meet with you for a video call once a week. And then we will give you assignments to do like exercises or to watch or read content that we've created about this topic. So if we're going to teach you about a writing craft topic, we'll give you resources to learn about and then ask you to complete an exercise. And then we give feedback on that exercise. And then we come together on our coaching call to discuss it and to move forward into the next Mm -hmm. cycle of that. But they're not like, random writing exercises, they're built around that book. Mm. So it's built around developing your story's message. It's built around making sure that message is consistent and cohesive with your characters and making Mm. sure that your character's journey of change helps demonstrate that message and that your world building and how you structure your story is fluid with that message. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to just give you kind of writing prompts just to practice. It's all built around building the story that you're currently working on. Mm -hmm. So by the end of this six months, you've improved your story, you've built the tools, you have the exercises and the worksheets, and you've started drafting it and gotten feedback on like, how does it work to put these skills we've been learning into practice, like on the actual page. And part of the coaching part of it, right, is helping the writer get to know themselves. So Mm -hmm. for instance, I think a really illustrative Um, example would be like our scene structure exercise. So we have a scene structure exercise that first we do the teaching. What is a scene? What are the nine beats of a scene? How do they all fit together? How do you ensure that your scene needs to be in the story? How do you ensure that it's, that it's structured in the right way? So first we teach that tool, but then part of the coaching process is looking at, okay, how are you going to use this tool in a way that works for you? So I have some clients who are paralyzed by the tool. They cannot fill out everything in it before they can write because otherwise they won't, like everything just feels off. They have to get it out first and then they use it as an analytics tool afterwards. Mm. Whereas some people have to fill it out like to the nth degree to have clarity on what it is that they're going to write when they get to the page. It's exploring how do you best how do you best approach the page without having that dissonance of trying to make yourself do something because you're told that's the way it needs to be. Right. But you like as a coach and as a writer, like this is a helpful tool. So that's why you offer it. Yeah. And a craft level is an important craft thing to understand. Right. But how you use it, whether you do it before, after you write, like when you come back through your second revision, like whatever it is, you should Mm -hmm. still be looking at your scenes to make sure they have the right structure. And we talk with in depth about why that's important. And we don't just say you have have to have scene structure, just trust us. And so in addition to scenes, like another really crucial component to fiction is the characters that you create. So 
what are some tips that you have for creating characters that are compelling or relatable or deep or that just seem real? Yeah. So we start with that message that the writer wants to say in their book. And in our process, we've built that message before we even work on characters. Yeah. So then we get to the character parts. And as we were saying earlier, stories are about change. They're about how a character is going to struggle against a problem and are they going to overcome that problem? Are they going to fail? And when we say stories are about change, we mean that characters usually come to the first couple pages of a story with flaws. They're not a perfect human being. So what we're aiming to is that your character is going to learn the message. Mm-hmm. Whatever message you want to say as a writer, that's what your character is learning. So by the end, they know it. But that means that at the beginning of the story, they have to have a flaw that's in conflict with that message. So our first step of developing characters is to understand what flaws are they bringing to the page so that you understand how they are going to change and learn the message that you want your readers to know. Mm-hmm. When any reader picks up a book, they're subconsciously looking for that truth, that message, that takeaway, that lesson. It's how our brains, we're basically like learning by extension. Mm-hmm. We see a character fail, we see them struggle. And by the end, we've internalized that internally. So we develop our characters to experience this certain specific change. And then from there, once what their flaws are, I think the really next crucial piece to make them a dynamic character is to give them really strong goals. What do they want? What are they trying to do? What are they fighting against? What are they fighting for? Because the key here process with their change is that they shouldn't be able to get what they want until they overcome their flaws. So they've got to change in order to accomplish their goals. So we have this process, we call them character tables. It's basically six different steps of taking a writer through developing, okay, what are our flaws? What goals do our characters have? And then what things are standing in the way Mm. of achieving those goals? And then also what's at stake? What happens if they don't get what they want? That's what gives the story tension Mm. of knowing that that pit in your stomach. Oh no, what happens if they fail? The world blows up. There's got to be some sort of a stake because that keeps your reader like invested. They've got to see what happens or else something's going to go wrong. So we take them through that process. And I think uh, just to summarize, like goals, stakes, and then obstacles, which are your flaws and the things that are standing in your way. Those are kind of the, the key pieces of developing a really strong dynamic character. And we do want to add anything. Yeah. So we, so our character tables, there's just a deep dive into your character psyche. What makes them who they are? What do they want? What are they afraid of? What are their beliefs? And then once we have that, we do really extensive backstory work. So when we are looking at a crafting of complex story with characters that feel real, we have to acknowledge that they have an entire life before page one. And that life has led to the goals that they want, the things that they fear and the things that they believe. And so we do extensive work with our clients and we teach all this stuff in our course, in our our community, but we do extensive work to map out really big moments in their life and actually draft them so that the writer themselves can live through that experience with their character because there's no better way to get to know your character than actually living through the worst or best moments of their past that have Mm -hmm. shaped them into the person they are on page one, what they want, Mm -hmm. why they want it, what they're afraid of, what they believe. And so that I think is the, I have never found a better tool for getting Mm -hmm. to know your characters than that. That makes a lot of sense. Like writing your characters is how you learn to write your characters. 
Yep. After doing all of the work to get ready for that. Yeah. Living their life is the best yeah. way to get Living to know their life. So is that typically a process that you do for the main character or is it something for the main character and like the other three other core characters or do people do it for all 50 main characters? We recommend that you do it at least for every point of view character. So okay. if we're going to be in their head, it's important that you have lived their life. And then for any major, if you're doing a romance and there's another romantic interest character, it can be really important to do it to live th- that person's experience. Villains, mm. really major characters that you're struggling to get to know. So I had this in my personal work, I was really struggling with my villain. He's not a point of view character. He's not even that big of a on the page character, but when he was on the page, he felt flat. And so I ended up writing a bunch of backstory just to get to know him so that he would be dynamic and three-dimensional on the page. And it, it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Big surprise when our (laughs) tools actually work. How cool. So character scene, what are some other big elements that people have to consider when writing fiction? Okay. So I am, if we're going to circle back a second, I consider myself a pantser and I I like on the spectrum of pantser versus plotter, I am maybe a planter. I really just want to be a pantser. Okay. So (laughs) coming into the writing game, I hate plot. I hated it. I didn't know anything (laughs) about it. It really struggled with my brain and I really struggled to focus on plot. But that's a really big piece of writing is Mm -hmm. how are you going to structure your story? And like we've said already, stories are about change and a character arc requires some sort of structure so that you're accurately communicating how your character is going to change. So Mm -hmm. you need some sort of structure, which means you need to know how to plot. It doesn't really work with my brain. I don't really love to do it. But When Emily was talking earlier about knowing how story works, that's the key to understanding plot structure and why Mm -hmm. it's important. Story has, it has conventions. It has tested and true models. Mm -hmm. I think we've heard of like the hero's journey before, the heroine's journey. There are structures out there that exist for a reason. Readers want to see a specific amount of pacing. They want to see how character arcs Mm -hmm. work. So when I say you need to know plot, you need to know how it works. You need to know why it exists. Why do you structure a story in a certain way? And how does that structure tie into your character's arc of change? Hmm. So I don't love, and I'm not saying in any way that you have to sit down and and know how to plot to a T. But when I learned like what plotting meant, what story structure looked like, I was able to incorporate that into my pantser writing Hmm. style. Because I knew what to expect, but that didn't mean that I had to have everything plotted out ahead of time. Does that make sense? I want to say like plot is super important. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you have to plot your story before you write. You yeah. just you have to plot it, it at some point. Right. So yeah. it might be that you're plotting it in revision once you get to the end of something that you just felt your way through. And now you have this completed thing and you have to figure out, okay, now how do I make it something that is going to cohesively engage the reader. And it's like Rachel was saying before, a story is about how a character changes it. How It's how they go from a flawed belief to something that is more healthy. And when you're pushing someone along that arc of change, you need to have stuff that's happening externally that's mm-hmm. pushing them towards that moment where they have to change because otherwise they can't move forward or they're going to mm-hmm. fail. And so there's plotting structures are really just a, a definition of what that looks like and at what point you want to put events that are happening that are Mm -hmm. specifically designed to test what that character is struggling to overcome. Mm -hmm. And so it's a tool. Again, it's just a tool. And then you can apply it to whatever your process is. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what our six month program is like. What are your tools? 
get all the tools, master all the tools so that you really understand how to use them. And then also get to start to get to know what your process is so you can Mm -hmm. apply the tools. Yeah. And I imagine this is something else that you come up against in the six months and clients you've worked with for even longer, or as they go on and keep writing on their own. But a lot of times, regardless of the goal we're working on, we lose momentum at some points along the way, or we lose our motivation. So how can people stay motivated throughout the entire process of writing a book? That's yeah. a great question. I'm going to jump in with this one. I think mm-hmm. that the there's two things. One is that message that you want to share is so important because that is, as we like to put it, the right. It's the gas in your tank. Yeah. It's the reason that you're showing up because you have mm-hmm. something you want to say to someone. And yeah. that's such a powerful thing, right? Knowing that you have this thing, that it's important, knowing who you're trying to say it to, who needs that message, having that person defined in your head, mm-hmm. that can give you that emotional fuel that you need yeah. to get through a massive project. <laughs> I also mm-hmm. think it's really important to have your own definition of what mm. success is. Okay. Because there is, I think in the creative sphere, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure on what success is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And with the the new worlds of Amazon and the internet and self-publishing and all these other methods of finishing books and getting them published and getting them in the hands of people, having your definition of what success looks like for you is going to be so critical. So you don't get mm-hmm. wrapped up in that imposter syndrome that I think can just be so damaging to artists. Mm-hmm. And so we always walk our clients through, what is it that you, what's your dream for this book? What is your dream for the book? Not your mom's not your old teachers, not your sisters. Mm -hmm. What is your dream for this book? And and defining that I think is really important because otherwise imposter syndrome can just really drag you down. Yeah, definitely. So diving into kind of those areas, especially I think at the end, you've put in all this work and then you get to the end where you're actually ready to share the book that you've written with the world. And it can still feel like you still have some of the biggest hurdles ahead of you. So when it comes to publishing or advertising or getting your book out there, What advice do you generally give your clients? I have quite a few clients who have reached this zone recently and who have like, they're in it right now. And writing is a, if you're going to traditionally publish, it is a world of rejection. It's, it is inevitable when you traditionally publish, just to give anybody who doesn't know, like a little bit of insight into the process. You, let's say you've written the draft. It's perfect. You love it. It's wonderful. Now you have to basically go pitch it to an agent who will decide, do they like your story enough to take a chance on it? And if they do, then that agent has to go sell it. And then a publishing house has to decide, do they like your story enough to print it and sell it? So there's so many hurdles along the way where one no can just make you crumble. Mm -hmm. It really can kill your motivation, damage your self-esteem. And the fact of the matter is that you're probably going to get dozens of no's, if not hundreds. That's just how it works in traditional publishing. So I always tell my writers, like, it is okay to be sad when you get a no. It's okay to feel like pain and hurt. That is why you have a community of writers around you and you have people who champion and support you because it's inevitable. You sit with it. You say, ouch. I don't like being hurt, (laughs) but I'm going to get back on the horse. I'm going to keep trying because I care about the story. I care about the message. I want it out there. I know people need to hear my words. It's going to change lives. Mm -hmm. You get back on and you just keep trying. So I always try to encourage my writers when they lose that motivation or when they hit those no's in traditional publishing, like it's okay to feel sad, but get back on there and keep going. 
and then rely on the people around you to support you and encourage you. Self-publishing, there's fewer barriers. There are definitely still barriers. It has its own challenges as far as marketing and getting popularity and all of the things that come with anybody who can leave you a review anywhere for any reason. So if you're going that direction, we work with writers a lot on the concept of an ideal reader. There are people that you write your book for, you don't write it for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I tell my writers, if you get a review from someone who's not your ideal reader, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You weren't writing that book for them. Mm -hmm. You were writing a book for a specific version of an ideal reader that your book impacts and that changes and that that person cares about it. Mm -hmm. That's the audience that you're looking for. Anybody else is white noise. Don't yeah. listen to them. Sorry, has so subjective. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. Like on both ends, right? And right. that's why the ideal reader is so important, but it's also why growing yourself as a writer, both in your craft and your confidence is so important mm -hmm. because there's the number of times, and it just hurts me to think about the number of times that I've seen writers query something that they weren't sure about because mm -hmm. they didn't have the right? The craft technical understanding to explain why it worked or why it didn't work or why they made the choices that they made about the story. So much of it is like the empowerment of saying, I understand how a good story works and mm -hmm. I'm choosing to make these decisions to deliver this specific message to this specific person. And I think I did all of the things that I needed to do for that to work. That mm -hmm. confidence allows you to go into, you know, traditional publishing, especially saying, I believe in my book and I can back up why I believe in it mm -hmm. so that when you get those rejections, yes, that they're always going to hurt. Rejection hurts. Like we're human, but to be able to say, I had a client, she put it so beautifully. She had come to me with a book that she'd been querying, but was really unsure about. And we worked on it together and now she feels very confident in it. And she was like, I understand now that a rejection means that just not the right person to champion my book. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it hurts that that wasn't a connection that worked out, but it's better off for both of us. That person isn't championing something they don't believe in because it's so subjective. So those rejections don't mean that you or your book are not worthy of being seen, heard out in the world, all of those things. And so I think that's why we work so much on the confidence and the mindset and being able to articulate like, yeah, I made this weird choice in my book and I stand behind it because the people who the book is for are going to enjoy it. And being able to stand with that helps I think shield against some of that criticism that can bring us down because it wasn't perfect for everybody in the world, which is just never going to be art is subjective. Yeah. And having that confidence to know that your book conveys what you want it to, and it tells the story that you want to tell, like you said, that's going to carry you through planning the book, writing the book, getting the book out there. And that's really what it's all about because those skills and that confidence you can take to writing another book, or you can take it to doing anything else you want to do. The confidence, especially never, ever goes to waste. No. And it bleeds into your whole life. We've watched clients who, after going through our program, had the confidence to speak up in workspaces where yeah. they hadn't felt seen before. There's something about writing fiction, about exploring what you want to say and learning how to say it, that it just changes you as a person and recognizing that you have the power to like create your own process and use these tools in their own way. It just, it bleeds into everything. Mm. Feel very strongly about yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> okay, we're going to move into the resolution rounds. We're going to talk a little bit about goals and goal setting for you guys and what that looks like. So, first of all, do you guys set goals or resolutions? And if so, what does that process look like for you? Mm, that's um, such a good way. I will you go first. <laughs> okay. So, I, for the longest time, 
was a massive goal setter. I was one of those people mm. who had, have you ever heard of the full focus planner? Yes. I went through that phase. I planned everything down to the absolute detail for years and years. And a couple of years ago, I completely, utterly burnt out. I hit a massive wall and it's taken a lot of self-reflection, a lot of processing to recognize that I was addicted to goal setting. Mm. I was addicted to the adrenaline rush of checking things off a list I was, I was obsessed with controlling myself and it was from a place of shame. It was mm -hmm. from a place of feeling like I was actually secretly super lazy. And then if I didn't control every tiny aspect of my life that I would never get anything done. Mm. So in the process of sort of unraveling that for me, it's been, I had to not set goals for my writing for a long time because setting goals and not meeting them was actually slowing me down mm -hmm. because I would go into, right. I would set a goal that was too high and then I would beat myself up when I didn't right. meet it. And I think that can be really, especially tricky with art yeah. because you can't predict what twists and turns your book journey is going to take. You might realize that you have this massive idea that's going to change half your book, but it's going to make it so much better, but it's going to set you back from yeah. that January goal that you had by a year. And that happens so often. And so I think it can be for folks like me, and I know it's not everybody, but for folks like me who are using the structure of goal setting and task lists and trying to control ourselves into getting something out because we're afraid we won't otherwise, I think it can be actually a massive setback because we struggle the most with not reaching those goals and mm -hmm. the emotional setback of that. And that bleeds into, right, creativity is such an emotional thing. So it can make us feel like imposters. It can mm -hmm. make us, our perfectionism freak out. Long story short, used to set lots of goals. Rachel, wouldn't back this up, I used to set like daily word count goals and like monthly word count goals and all this stuff. I don't do that anymore. Now I set, I set time goals. Mm -hmm. So I try to write for at least an hour, four times a week. And usually it ends up being more than that. But for me, it's the consistency of making sure I show up that I put my butt in the chair, right. that I actually do the thing. And it's a process. It's been a process. I actually, I just enrolled in a workshop that is all about how to get out of your head and into your body for creative mm. writing. Cause I clearly struggle with that. So that's been my experience. And I know Rachel's is very different. So I want, I want to give you a space. To speak. Yeah. I think I started in a very similar spot as far as like growing up conditioned to be a high achiever. And so goals were always very important. And I also get, this is still true. When I have a goal, <laughs> I get very impatient about reaching it. <laughs> And so I'm like, I got to do it like right away. But then I became a mom and I had a child and like the timelines that I set for my goals just went like out of the window. I had all these hopes and dreams that when my daughter was a newborn, I was going to write a whole book because mm. newborns just sleep all day and they just lay down and really you just have to hold them. <laughs> Any parent can attest that that's not at all what it actually is. Yeah, they sleep a lot, but then you're exhausted. And then, yeah, they just lay on your hands, but then you're breastfeeding all the time. And it's not as simple. And so I really, I struggled really hard with timelines. When I became a parent, life just becomes unpredictable. Your schedules get thrown out the window. The slightest variation in your child's mood can affect the rest of your day. So it, it that that expectation that I had to have my butt in the chair to do some work to get a goal finished just kind of went out the window and I really struggled with that for a while and I don't think I wrote for an entire year like maybe the first full year of my daughter's life you know I don't think I wrote anything and it carried a lot of guilt and shame on its own so my daughter's two now and life is still unpredictable but I do still really believe that goals are important 
except they take a little bit of a different shape for me now where I don't set a timeline. I don't attach any sort of, I want to accomplish this goal by the end of the year because chances are that's, regardless or not of whether that happens, that is a lot of pressure for me. However, if I don't set a goal or if I don't have a list, I usually forget or it doesn't say top of mind. I yeah. My brain's neurodivergent. And so I don't, the list is helpful for me to see, okay, here are all the things that need to happen. So I don't forget, but at the same time, they're not going to get done on any type of timeline that I wish they would get done on. So I have this interesting like friction of, I want to get things done in time, but they just don't happen. So let's not have a timeline at all. That's a great example of what you were talking about earlier with the writing tools. Like goals are just a tool that we get to use and we can Mm -hmm. use them to beat ourselves up or we can use them to help us build the future we want. And they can take different shapes and we can use them in different ways in different times. And even like you were saying, having the list to be reminded of these things that we need to get done, but also that we want to get done. They're components of our lives that we're choosing to use and to move us towards what we ultimately want. Just like in writing, we want to get a message out there. And So I think you're so right with that. And it's so interesting to hear your guys' experience and how it's evolved and how you use goals now. So what is a goal that you've set either recently or in the past that was something that you completed and that you're really proud of? I've started to set a lot of micro goals. Mm -hmm. So there's, here's one where there's like a ton of pieces to write a book. There's so many different steps or there's zero steps. I don't know. But in, in our process, I've been basically like following our own coaching process, but for myself, And there's lots of little milestones that come along the way. Finish your character tables, write your backstory. So I have those written down and I just completed a summary of my plot, Mm -hmm. which is my pantser's brain way of getting up my ideas Mm -hmm. without like, I'm going to plot them to a T and then I'm trapped by this plotting document. And so I, I finished that a couple of days ago and I have a writing group, which I got from our writing community. We host an online writing community. So within that community, I have my writing group and I shared it with them and I'm actually meeting with them tomorrow to discuss my book's plot, which is like a really big deal for me to have that written down in a, but I really just wanted to start writing it, just throw. And I, I actually did a couple months ago and I wrote about 15,000 words of a book. And then I was like, no, gonna go this back. isn't, <laughs> what are you doing? You tell your clients not to do this. <laughs> Be patient. <laughs> Listen to the process. It works. Trust the process. So then I went back and got that finished. So micro goal, I still am aiming towards finish the draft, which I know is so accomplishable. But that, yeah, that's me. Oh, great. So that's what you're working on too. That's like the goal in process right now. Big goal, finish this draft. Yeah. Big goal, finish the draft and micro goal, outline the plot or summarize the plot. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm trying to think. (laughs) The biggest thing that comes to mind is last year, I finished my first draft ever. I was one of those people who struggled to finish things because of perfectionism and control and all the things that I talked about earlier. And so just the act of finishing something was a massive achievement for me. So I'm working on my second draft right now and generally would like to get it done this winter, but I haven't actually mapped because just because of the way my brain and my, my perfectionism will latch onto some kind of timeline. I have not mapped it out. I'm focused on the day to day right now, but finishing that first draft was pretty big for me. And then I like at a micro level, (laughs) I enrolled in this workshop. It's called written on the body and it's by Tiffany Clark Harrison and the Rochelle writer studio. And it's about, like I said earlier, putting, trying to listen to your body more 
for creativity? What does it want to work on? And she assigned me to write out of order, which I've never done before. And so I've done that three times this week and it was great each time. So that was a massive win for me. Interesting. <laughs> goal was to listen to her and be open to trying different things, seeing if there are other ways to do my process that I haven't discovered yet. Taking tools from other people's toolbox. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of tools from other people's toolbox, Carly, I'm so interested as the goals coach, the resolutions coach, what would you say to us after talking with us these last 50 minutes yeah. or so about, about goals and what we just shared with you? What are your top goals tips? I think you guys are both in a really good place. It sounds like a tumultuous relationship with goals to get here. <laughs> and you have shaped the tool to be something that now is going to work for you in the season that you're in. And I love the idea of micro goals. That's something that I try to help people break down those things that they want into because that's where the progress can be seen. And it sounds like you're celebrating those wins, both of you. And that is so important in order to keep that momentum going and to be reminded of the process. And so it's been interesting to hear you talk about writing because it's in very similar language to the way that I talk about all other goals in terms of come back to your why, because that's the fuel that's going to get you all the way through. Just like for you, it's the message. And so it's interesting because for a lot of people, their goal is to write a book. So it's just like the microcosm of goals in a larger sense of everything else that we want. So I think you guys are in a really healthy place because you have what it takes not only to write books, but to work on goals in a very practical sense. And you have the confidence to write books and then in a larger sense to do the other things that you want to do. So those are the two areas that I work on with clients in all goals, whether it be writing related or not. And so if we were actually coaching, we would dive more into specifically into those and maybe what's holding you back in those specific areas. But I think on the whole, you guys sound like you're in a fantastic place and I'm excited to see where all of these writings from you, where they end up yeah. when I can read them. Oh yeah. Soon. So every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners resolve to do? I think I would ask them to sit with whatever their creative goals are in the mm -hmm. moment to sit with where they're actually coming from. Are they coming right? If you have really strong, solid goals set, goals set for your word count per day or whatever it is, is that coming from a place of excitement? Is it coming from a place mm -hmm. of supporting yourself or is it coming from right that place of shame and control right. that I was talking about before? Because I had, a, I had another coach of mine put it this way, showing up for your goals is like showing up in relationship Hmm. with, right. If you think about your project as like another person, another relationship, are you showing up? Are you setting goals because you want to show up for that person because you want to see them every week, because you want to make sure that you don't forget about them. Like Rachel was saying earlier, you have so much else going on in your life and you want to make sure that there's consistency there. And so it's out of love. It's out of support. It's out of making sure that you're there for that person that you love, or is it coming from a place of feeling like you have to feeling ashamed if you don't hmm. show up for this person who's not healthy for you. So thinking about it in that way, like, how are you setting your goals and like be be honest with yourself and sit with that. And if you're not setting goals, where's that coming from? If you're not setting goals and not showing up for your project, exploring, mm -hmm. just sit with and explore some of that. That's great. Yeah. I think I would resolve to, I would encourage people to find the belief in themselves, to just believe in their own and mm -hmm. they worth in the value of their ideas, especially in the writing and creative sphere there, like we were talking about earlier, there's so much pressure on producing, but also like producing something good. If you fail in any way, you have failed. And then therefore it takes more time in order to succeed. And like, we're on some sort of a timeline to 
create the perfect version of whatever it is we want to create. And so I think that pressure creates a lot of fear about are my ideas good enough? Am I good enough? And I see this a lot in my writers and in my clients of only questioning, is this idea good? Is it worth trying out? Should I give it a go? And so I, I would say, absolutely. There is There are no bad ideas in writing. They're all ideas and they all are bridges to just the next idea. Right. So every layer that you add on in all the varying levels of ideas that you have, is just another step towards the completed draft that you can't wait to read. So believe in yourself, believe in the value of ideas, and then believe in this process that you're putting yourself through and believe that every step that you're taking forward is getting you closer to the moment where you can hold that book in your hands Mm -hmm. and how good that's going to feel. Mm, I love that. Okay. And then we have some confetti questions to wrap up the show. It's just for fun. So we can get to know you a little bit better and we'll go Emily and then Rachel. So what time do you get up? 5.30. (laughs) 5 30 okay you guys are on the same page (laughs) not by choice by the way that is my toddler's fault she is on an early morning wake up schedule right now and i hate it and 5 30 so maybe related to that when do you guys do your best work (laughs) (laughs) like 11 o'clock at night like okay. 9, 10, 11. I am a night owl. That's what I do. That's why okay. I'm not. <laughs> so that's why you like the 530 and why you don't like the 530. Okay. Mm, yeah. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? Most recently, it was that your body is never wrong. Okay. I love it. I think most recently for me was that you're, this is a piece of advice for any parent or woman in life. You are allowed to pay for help to get what you want. Yeah. And if you are tired and you have too much on your plate, schedule your life to make your life easier. Pay for convenience because that's yeah. what'll help you show up to the things that you want to do a lot easier. That's so true. What do you do to rest? I go camping a lot. Oh, fun. A lot. <laughs> it's my main method. That's so cool. I like to sleep a lot, duh. but I also like obsessively read usually books one at a time. I get into like hyper-focus mode. Okay. Where it's really hard for me to do anything else besides finish whatever I'm doing. And that like obsessive reading for me mm. is a very great form of rest. Mm, great. Favorite beverage? Coffee. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. Sweet tea. Mm, that sounds really good. Favorite TV show? Oh, that one's hard. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. Okay. Feels like a cheating answer. Very big um, right now, right? With the resurgence. Yeah. I'm going to say The Office or Schitt's okay. Creek. Okay. Yes. All very popular ones. I love it. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? For me, it's going to have to be, it's a book called An Ember in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir. It's the book that made me want to write. I hadn't read fiction in a really long time and I picked it up. It's a YA fantasy. And I was just like, wow, Mm. (laughs) I miss it. So it got me back into writing, which got us into editing, which is actually one of our most used reference books. We have lots of tools that use it as an example. Examples. Oh, very cool. Okay. That makes sense. What about you? Yeah, this is so hard. I know. I want to do a couple honorable mentions. Very formative book for me was any book by Tamara Pierce, which is mm-hmm. a, a, a YA fantasy book. Those were like my jam growing up. And those are the books that like made me want to be a writer because okay. I wanted to make people feel the way 
that I felt when I read those books. Mm. And then there's a series called the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews, which is like a pretty standard kick-ass female strong character, which loved all of that. Those were so formative for me as well. And then if I'm going to say like maybe my favorite story ever, because it's not actually a book, it's a manga called Yona of the Dawn. And it's a wonderful story. It's a coming of age of this princess whose father was killed in front of her eyes. And then somehow she's got to rise up and not be spoiled princess and become instead like the ruler that her kingdom Mm. deserves. So it's actually still going. It's a serial, most manga release like a chapter a month or so. So it's still going, but it's been going for 12 or 13 years. Wow. And I'm obsessed with it. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> what book are you currently reading? I just finished a book yesterday, but the next one on my shelf is the, I think it's The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Okay. It's a World War II mm-hmm. book about women. I'm very excited. It's my second Kristen Hanna. <laughs> I just finished a book yesterday. <laughs> it's a romantic comedy for 18 plus but it's called that time i got drunk and yeeted a love potion at a werewolf (laughs) hilarious it sounds hilarious very different kind of genres going on here but i love it (laughs) yeah it's a second in a series it's called the mead mishaps series if you look it up on amazon but yeah okay. well, i'll link so all funny. of the books too so people can find them Maybe. just remember everybody this is 18 plus okay <laughs> okay, okay adults who want a little bit of spice in their romance a lot of spice okay know that if you're going to look up this book and what is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you Oh, writing out of order. Yes. I'm so excited okay. about this. So, okay, yeah. what does that mean? I think I know what it yeah. means, but what does it actually it just, mean? So I've always been someone who writes chronologically. So yeah. when I'm writing, like I write a scene and then it's the direct next scene in the story yeah. that I work okay. on next. And lately I've realized that it's been really hard for me to get my energy up to write the next scene. And so part of what I'm learning is to ask my energy, what does it want to work on? And I've been bouncing all over okay. the, last, the last week and it's been really fun. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured it meant, but I love it. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Okay. What about you, Rachel? I would say to celebrate that plot summary, but also just the fact that I feel like I've found a really good flow of coming to the page in the midst Mm. of my crazy life. So for the past like month or two, I've been very consistent writing and taking my time and being intentional Mm. with it. So big win for me on that. Yeah, definitely. And then where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things you're doing? Our website is goldenmayediting.com and we are both on Instagram. That is where we hang out the most. My handle is at Emily Golden Edits. And my handle at Book Coach Rachel. Well, Rachel and Emily, thank you so much for coming to share on the podcast today about fiction and writing and everything related to that and so much more. I think that anyone who wants to write a fiction book, this is like the perfect starting place for them. And then of course they just need to go find you and you can help them through the rest of the process. Join our community. It's there for you. Thank you. It was so nice to have you come on and share. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. And that's a wrap on my interview with Emily and Rachel. It was so much fun to have them come and share on the podcast about a topic that I know is close to the heart of many of us, because even if we aren't actively writing fiction, 
or even if we don't have a plan for that in the future, I know so many people do have that desire within them at some point in their lives to get a fiction story onto paper. So the information that they shared today about finding your message and how you're going to convey that through your story, I think is absolutely foundational. And with that alone, so many pieces can click into place within your head and within the story itself. So I hope that you will take all of this wisdom and advice as you go and write the story that you want to tell, that story that's inside of you. And even if you don't have one, I hope that you can reflect back on the tools that you're using in your own life for whatever goals you may be going after and considering how you can make them work best for you. That was one of my favorite parts of this interview was seeing how so many of the tactics and the ways of viewing fiction writing Emily and Rachel have are exactly the way that I approach goal setting and resolutions with my clients. And as we all can attest, that's why these tools are so powerful. And so whether or not you are going to write fiction, I hope that you will take these tools and these ideas and apply them to your goals and your life and all of the things that you want to reach. Because whether it's on the page or not, we all have a story to tell with our own lives and it is important and valid. And all of these tools are designed to help us do exactly that. And with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlychisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.